Hello everyone, this is Trevor with Tea Time Reports. This evening we're going to be doing a, uh, a nice episode to kind of cap off the XFL's first completed season ever. Um, as you may know, this league founded, I believe, in 2000, then folded, kind of revived itself in 2020, then folded again, and uh, neither of those years were they able to complete the season. Actually, that's a lie. I believe in 2000 they actually got to the championship, but I know that in this modern tenure, this is the first season they've been able to complete. And it, it wasn't anything special, in my opinion. I, I thought it was a little lackluster, personally. Um, everything from the uniforms to the conditions of the fields to just the marketing of the league, I thought everything was just kind of like a eh, like a B, you know, just like a B-grade film, you know? And it just kind of felt like that to me. Um... But they just wrapped up their championship game. Uh, the Arlington Renegades, led by Luis Perez, uh, shout out Luis Perez, and captained on defense by Donald Payne, two USFL legends from last year. They won. They got. They went into the playoffs at four and six, and then they just knocked off a ten and one team in the championship game. Um, how that happens, I have no fucking clue. Nor do I know how a 4-6 and six team gets into a postseason in a 10-game regular season. Though That team made it over the 7-3 St. Louis Battlehawks. How? I get it, they have divisions that are broken down into the two conferences, but still, like, what the fuck? But this, I, I don't know about that. That was, that was a rough call. But since the game literally just ended, you know, maybe an hour and a half ago now, and again, I said good evening, everyone, at the beginning of the episode, if you're listening to this during the day, good morning, good afternoon, so on and so forth. But I kind of wanted to go over the first season in kind of like a recap analysis type of vibe to where I'm going to go over some stat leaders, some player performances that I thought stuck out, maybe deserve a shot in the NFL. Um, But as of right now, I guess we'll see um, some of the regular season stats. Um, I'll go over the main categories, I guess you can say. I'll give you a top three in each. For for passing yards, quarterback Ben DiNucci for the Seattle Sea Dragons um, had 2,671 passing yards, 64.7% completions, 20 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Um, he was first in the league in passing. Um, and then at number two, A.J. McCarron, quarterback for the St. Louis Battlehawks, um, threw for 2,150 passing yards and had a completion percentage of 68.8, and threw for 24 touchdowns and 6 interceptions. And then at the number 3 spot, it's going to be Jordan Te'amu, quarterback for the D.C. Defenders. He threw for 1,894 passing yards, a completion percentage of 62.4, 14 touchdowns and 3 interceptions, very efficient with the ball. Um, and then since you know Luis Perez did just get named MVP of the championship game, um, he's actually at the number four spot. And I know he got traded midway through the year from the Vegas Vipers to the Arlington Renegades. So that kind of was a, a bit of a shocker because, you know, I didn't expect Lewis Perez to be dumped off like that, but he went to a team and they won the championship. But Lewis Perez at that number four spot threw for 1,636 passing yards, has a completion percentage of 66.5% and threw for nine touchdowns and seven interceptions in the regular season. Now moving over to the rushing stats. Um, 
I would also just, like, before we move to the Russian sets, actually, shout out to the simplistic design on the XFL's website. But I will say this, just, like, about, this is more about the play here. Um, like, <laughs> some of these quarterback stats don't make any fucking sense. Like, if I'm being completely honest. Like, there's guys that, that like, there's a guy, Sterling, um, oh, excuse me. Excuse me, excuse me. Let me find the guy. Derek King. Shout out Derek King, Miami legend. But he played in all 10 games and only had 184 passing yards. What? 68% completion, four touchdowns, one pick. And then you have guys like Kurt Benkirk comes in for two games, Nick Tiano, Cole McDonald. There was a massive rotation of quarterbacks for all teams. I'm seeing at least three to four for each team that got snapping, like got snaps. Besides DC, they only have two. But I mean, Vegas has has had, had three during the year. The San Antonio Brahmas had four. Um, the Guardians, bro. Jeez, oh, I don't even want to talk about the Guardians. I'm a Guardians fan, sadly. Terrible. Um, okay, moving forward to the Russian. I'll do, again, the top three here. Um, number one, Abraham Smith, Abram Smith, excuse me, um, running back for the D.C. Defenders, rushed for 791 rushing yards in the regular season with an average of 5.0 per carry. And he had seven touchdowns on the year as well. That's very impressive. Five, five plays for over 20 yards, five runs for over 20 yards, 21 runs for over 10 yards. His long run was 70. Awesome. Jacquez Patrick, running back for the San Antonio Brahmas, uh, is up at number two spot. He rushed for 443 rushing yards with an average per carry of 3.9. And only, um, oh, not only, he had five touchdowns. So he was a red zone guy, but there's a massive drop off in the rushing yards. Abram Smith kind of took a, took it away here. He was a dog. I mean, when you actually look at his numbers here, they're just disgusting. 158 attempts, 791 yards, five yards a carry. I mean, you're... You're just letting the guy walk on the field. <laughs> All right, but that uh, number three spot, Brian Hill, running back for uh, the St. Louis Battlehawks, rushed for 416 yards, um, 4.7 is his yards per carry, and then a one touchdown. Huh. He had 10 plays. Yeah, the rushing is really lackluster. Huh. Shout out to Devin Darrington for the for my Orlando Guardians. Tried to carry the team when he could, but I mean, what 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 are you gonna do with that squad? Anyone else? Oh, well, kind of an interesting fact. Within the top ten, there's two quarterbacks here. Uh, ben DiNucci has 305 rushing yards with three touchdowns, and Jordan Tayamu has 298 rushing yards for three touchdowns. So that kind of adds to their stat total. Kalen Balaj, running back for the San Antonio Brahmas, is way out of like the top ten. But he had, on 55 attempts, he had 149 rushing yards, 2.7 yards per carry, zero touchdowns. Yikes. I'm just reading names off this list right now, just anyone that kind of catches my eye. Luis Perez, 13 attempts, 61 yards. Drew Plitt, 14 attempts, 57 yards. Yeah, the rushing was kind of weird in this league. Yeah. All right, moving on to receiving. Um, 
top three again. Jacor Pearson, wide receiver for the Seattle Sea Dragons. 60 catches, 670 yards, 11.2 yards per reception, four touchdown catches. Really good season by him. He had the top passing yard quarterback, so that makes sense. But the number two spot is Hakeem Butler, wide receiver for the St. Louis Battlehawks. Um, 599 receiving yards, 51 catches. Uh, yards per reception is at 11.7. Eight touchdowns. Holy shit. He had a good year. And then at the number three spot, tight end Cody Latimer for the Orlando Guardians. 50 catches, 593 receiving yards, 11.9 yards per reception, four touchdowns. Another guy that deserves it. Uh, in my opinion, deserves a shot up there. He has the body. He has the upside. He really showcased what he could do this year for the for the Guardians. They're just, they were just so terrible. And then, actually, I'm gonna rec- I'm gonna name this other guy. Um, at the number four spot here, I'm receiving. It's actually gonna be Darius Shepard, wide receiver for the St. Louis BattleHawks. 48 catches, 519 uh, receiving yards, and uh, 10.8 yards per catch, and six touchdowns. So he had a good year. Jeff Bedette for the Vegas Vipers. I really love him. Loved watching him play in that opening weekend. Um, uh, definitely deserves a shot. He had 34 catches, 449 yards, 13.2 yards per catch, and five touchdowns. He had a good good year for someone just stuck on a terrible team. Um, Eli Rogers, 30 catches, 308 yards, 10.3 per catch, two touchdowns. Austin Proel, 25 catches, 223 yards, 8.9 per catch, one touchdown. Um... And, oh, man, Matthew Sexton, the guy that blew that one touchdown he had, and then he just got it punched out. Idiot. But those were the offensive stat leaders during the regular season. We're going to go over to the defensive stat leaders for the regular season. In tackles, I'm kind of going to run through the top three in each of these defensive sta- uh, categories. In tackles, Jordan Williams, linebacker for the San Antonio Brahmas, 38 solo tackles, 51 assisted tackles, 89 total tackles, 12 uh, tackles for loss. Tavante Beckett, linebacker for the Houston Roughnecks, 34 solo tackles, 29 assisted tackles, 63 total tackles, a half sack, and three uh, tackles for loss. And at that number three spot, it's actually going to be C.J. Avery, linebacker for the Vegas Vipers, 33 solo tackles, 29 assisted tackles, 62 total tackles, and then eight tackles for loss. I will also shout out Donald Payne because he's one of my favorite football players ever. Linebacker for the Arlington Renegades. Played for the Houston Gamblers last year. He had 22 solo tackles, 39 assisted tackles, 61 total tackles, a half sack, and five tackles for loss. He's at that number five spot. Um, Really good player. One of my favorites. And then Reggie Northrup. Shout out to him. Played for the D.C. Defenders, but he also played for the Houston Gamblers last year. 21 solo tackles, 29 assisted tackles, 50 total tackles, and 2 tackles for loss. Had a great uh, little year for himself. Hopefully he comes back to the USFL. He honestly shined there. I don't know what... uh, I don't know. Some of the coaches and some of the clubs in this league were just like, what the fuck? But um, Fumbles. Fumbles. I'm going to butcher this guy's last name, but Pita T, linebacker for the Vegas Vipers, uh, four, four forced fumbles, one fumble recovery. At the number two spot, John Daka, linebacker for the Houston Roughnecks, three forced fumbles, okay, 
Tazar Skipper, linebacker for the Seattle Sea Dragons, he had three forced fumbles as well, so they were kind of tied at that two spot. And then David Bellamy, defensive line for the D.C. Defenders, the number four spot, had three forced fumbles and a fumble recovery. Love Bellamy. He was for the break. He played for the Breakers last year in the USFL. A really good player. A lot of the a lot of the XFL's premier players played in the USFL in season one, and I'll let you that know right now. I mean, Will Likely, Donald Payne, Reggie Northrup, David Bellamy. Luis Perez, their best players were genuinely in the USFL. Interception leaders for the XFL in the regular season. And number one, Ajean Harris, defensive back for the Houston Roughnecks. Um, huh. Is that? Okay, sorry, I'm just... Five interceptions, and then Joe Powell, defensive back for the Arlington Renegades, had four interceptions at that number two spot. Then Michael Joseph... Defensive back for the D.C. Defenders had four interceptions and two touchdowns. So I imagine two pick sixes. Interesting. Where's, uh... Huh, okay. Awesome. Okay, there we go. Okay, Nate Metters. Only two picks. And someone I kind of like to watch every now and then. Good player. Not many interceptions. It's kind of... Telling me that it's too easy on offense. Moving forward into the postseason here with our passing leaders. I'm going to, again, do the top three. Luis Perez, uh, 577 passing yards, 71.4% completion, and six touchdowns, zero interceptions in the postseason. Jordan Tayamu, 503 passing yards, 57.4 completion percentage, Four touchdowns and five picks in the postseason. That is fucking terrible. Ben DiNucci, 295 passing yards. 64.6% completion, three touchdowns and zero interceptions. And they got eliminated in the first round. How do you lose that game when he's going off like that? And then I guess I could go into Cole. No, these other three guys, Cole McDonald, D.R. King, and Brandon Silvers, it's they're it's pathetic. I don't, I don't really want to look at their stats like that. <laughs> their passing stats, at least. Um, rushing, Devin Smith, running back for the Arlington Renegades, had 148 yards and averaging 3.8 yards per carry. The fact that that's your leader in the postseason. Wow. That's, okay. Abram Smith, running back for the D.C. Defenders, uh, 138 rushing yards and three touchdowns. And I believe two of them were in the championship game, so that's, that's big on him. And those were the only honorable mentions, honestly. <laughs> Unless we want to talk about Max Borgie, or Borgie, uh, I, I don't even, I butchered his last name for sure. Moving over to the receiving leaders for the postseason of the 2023 XFL season. Josh Hammett, wide receiver for the DC Defenders, 12 receptions, 182 yards, 15.2 yards per catch, and two touchdowns. That's really fucking good. I don't know how, like, dude, how is how did DC not destroy them? Just a question for the ages. Arlington Renegades wide receiver Tyler Vaughns, um, 11 catches, 112 yards, 10.2 yards per catch, and a touchdown. Chris Blair, wide receiver for the D.C. Defenders, 8 catches, 80 yards, 10.0 yards per catch, no touchdowns. Caleb Van Der Esch, I wonder if he has any relation to uh, Van Der Esch on the uh, Dallas Cowboys, 8 catches, 81 yards, 10.1 yards per catch, no touchdowns. Jawan Green, wide receiver for the Seattle uh, Sea Dragons, 
8 catches, 89 yards, and 11.1 yards per catch <clears throat> with two touchdowns. Um, where was... Did Josh Gordon not play? Like, oh, okay. In one game, he had four catches for 23 yards. Holy shit, that's terrible. <laughs> that's terrible. No wonder they lost. Their, their supposed best playmaker, guy with most experience, didn't do shit. Even though Jacor Pearson did kind of a good... He had a good game. Six catches, 56 yards, and one touchdown. They got eliminated the first round. But moving on from player stats, seeming as the, <clears throat> excuse me, the XFL's first season just wrapped up. Now we, I kind of want to go into the XFL 2023 awards. Um, briefly, I'll go over the individual player awards. Offensive player of the year, Jordan Tayamu. DC Defenders quarterback Jordan Tayamu has been named the 2023 XFL Offensive Player of the Year. Tayamu helped lead the defenders to a 9-1 regular season record and a berth in the XFL Championship game. All of the 2023 XFL awards were voted on by each team's respective head coach and or director of player personnel. Defensive Player of the Year. Pita T, linebacker named 2023 XFL Defensive Player of the Year. The Vegas Vipers linebacker Pita T has been named the Defensive Player of the Year and he had... I think I read his stats um bear with me Let's see if he he was he led in forced fumbles he had four forced fumbles obviously and then he also was number two in sacks at 7.5 including three sacks in a game versus the Orlando Guardians holy shit he went off yeah rightfully so and then Special Teams Player of the Year is St. Louis Battlehawks wide receiver slash kick returner, Darius Shepard. Let me just check and see what his all-purpose yards and stuff were. Darius Shepard racked up 907 yards in kick returns to lead the XFL during the 2023 regular season. Awesome. Yeah, no, he had a good year. Um, XFL Coach of the Year award went to Reggie Barlow, the head coach of the DC Defenders, who went on that nine and one record, got the berth in the championship game, and then lost to a team that was five and six. So, just one of those things where it's like, damn. And then the All XFL team has been revealed: quarterback Jordan Tayamu, running back Abram Smith, wide receiver Deontay Burnett, Hakeem Butler, Lucky Jackson, Jacor Pearson. Tight end, Cody Latimer. Offensive line, Liam Fornell, Steven Gonzalez. Jared Jones-Smith. Colin Kelly. Alex Maletti. Mike Panasuki Or Panasuk. Sorry about that, bro. All-XFL defensive team. And that was the, what I just read were the all-XFL offensive team members. Defensive line for the all-XFL defensive team. Drew Beasley. David Bellamy. Austin Feolio. Jack... Heflin, Devontae Lambert, Kavion Patton, Delonte Scott, linebacker Trent Harris, Peter T, Jordan Williams, defensive back Deontay Anderson, Luke Barco, Ajean Harris, Lavert Hill, Michael Joseph. All XFL specialists, kicker John Parker Romo for the San Antonio Brahmas, punter Daniel Willen for the DC Defenders, return specialist Darius Shepard, obviously.
In addition to the 2023 All-XFL team, the XFL previously announced DC Defenders head coach Reggie Barlow as coach of the year, Vegas linebacker Pete T as defensive player of the year, Darius Shepard as special teams player of the year, and Jordan Tiamu as offensive player of the year. The league's head coaches and or directors of the personnel were responsible people of, they, they were responsible of voting. And obviously the championship game just came to a conclusion this past evening. And we, we, we saw a lot transpire throughout this season. Um, my, my genuine review is that it's a little lackluster. There was good play, good moments here and there, but I just think it's it needs more of a professional like touch on it, maybe cosmetically, but it just doesn't feel like pro football to me by any means. It feels like college with the college one one foot in bounds rule with the the kickoff is fucking stupid. And then the fact that a four and six team got over a seven and three team to enter the playoffs. That just doesn't make sense. The fact that there's eight teams and they have two conferences and fucking divisions is fucking retarded. Like, I, I hate to say that, but it's genuinely brain dead. It just opens up more opportunities for, in my opinion, more like fluctuating like over-unders, man. Like, I feel like a lot of it was predicated on making money in the casinos, and it probably did, but um, I, I saw that there was over 22,000 people in attendance to this championship game. Um, it looked a little, you know, a little boring, not gonna lie, there wasn't really, like, many, like, effects, I didn't see any, like, cheerleaders or anything like that, maybe I was, I just not, wasn't looking, but, um, there was a lot of, like, big holes in the crowd, and it just looked weird, um, normally at the championship games, you would want to see them full, um, and then, obviously, the last thing I want to say about the XFL, like, logistically, is just some of the fields this year were just downright horrendous. Cashman Field was the worst field I've ever seen a professional, I suppose a professional team supposed to play on. It was like week one. By the end of the third quarter, like three people were injured. There was tire tracks in the middle of the fucking stadium, like in the middle of the, the, the grass, the field. And I just don't see how they let that happen. There was like scaffolding in the background. It just looked fucking terrible. So the production value of the league is definitely like dollar general, in my opinion. But if we're being critical on that, then I can also be critical on the trophy. Not just the uh, playoff, like the conference championship games, but the championship trophy. They f- they suck. Like, really, really bad. And I'm not taking anything away from the teams that won those trophies. But, like, I just wish the league took more pride in, like, putting together, like, something that looked nice. Instead of something that's, like, flashy, has, like, a big X on it. XFL! No, no. Can you make it, like, a legitimate trophy that looks like something a club would want to display? Like, that looks like something I would wipe my ass with. Like, it just, it just looked really bad, in my opinion. And, I don't know, I was watching the, um, like, the team celebrate and everything like that, bro, and it just seemed so fucking forced, bro. Like, I don't know what to tell, like, I can't describe it, like, I'm not saying that anything was cheated or anything like that, but I'm just saying, like, it just didn't even feel genuine to me, bro, just seeing Dwayne The Rock Johnson out there, like, yeah, yeah, you know, I was just like, what, what am I watching here, bro, like, I know there's, like, this sounds fucked up, but, like, me and my buddies and the the crew, we all talk about this. We're like, bro, the XFL doesn't give a fuck about their players, nor their fans. 
genuinely because, bro, if you look at their merchandise pricing, it's like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? $189 for a jersey that's actually not even an authentic jersey. Like, it's not even an, an Under Armour jersey. What? I just really dislike the quality of this league in this first season, and I hope it'll get better. Um, but I just didn't see some of these, like, cosmetic issues and some of the production issues with the USFL, like, last year. In fact, the USFL just got better um, over the offseason. And you know what? I watched the XFL in 2020. Had a, We had a team in Tampa, and I wish they never took them away. And then when they brought, you know... The Guardians to Orlando, I was like, fuck yeah, let's go, let's go Guardians, and then they go 1-9, and nine, bro, we were fucking awful, like, I, I watched as many Guardians games as I fucking could handle, I mean, by week three, no one was showing up to that stadium to watch them, because why would you, but like, there was genuinely a lot of teams like that, like the Brahmas, the Vipers, the Guardians, and then, oh god, what was the other team, Sea Dragons, Battlehawks, Roughnecks and Defenders were good, and then, like, the other four were shit, but the Renegades snuck into the playoffs because they were leading in their division or some shit. I don't know how they beat out the Battlehawks to get in the playoffs. It's one of those mind fucks things that, it, like, it, it, that fucked with my head. Because, like, I can get it in the NFL if a team that's, like, 8-9 and nine gets in. This was a team that was two games below 500, and also there was a team in their conference that was 7-3. and three. I just, I don't understand how that happens. And especially when you also take into consideration that the St. Louis Battlehawks were packing their stadium every fucking game, bro. Like 30,000 people. I'll say this about the XFL, the live attendance worked for them. Um, but it's just like the prices of their merchandising, the production value, and some of the logistical stuff has definitely got to get worked out before they even attempt season two next year. And it's already confirmed, and it's going to be ready to go next year. But at the same time, I just wish that they actually took a little more time on this league. I feel like this was a rushed fucking season. They wanted to get into it and not be two years behind the USFL. And it may have, like, kind of left an image on my head that just kind of tarnished the whole perspective of it. But, I mean, I... Okay, to break it down for you, if you want to watch a league where there's a bunch of like washed up NFL players, guys that are never getting back there, guys that had the talent once but lost it a long time ago, the occasional stud that's going to thrive in any alt league, check out the XFL. You know what AJ McCarron is, you know what Paxton Lynch is, you know what Ben DiNucci is, you know what these guys are. You know what who they are, what they've done at the biggest stage. And they're in the XFL. Like, that can excite you or it can't. But if you want to watch a league where there's a... Like, more often than not, guys you've never fucking heard of trying to make a shot, take a shot in the dark, watch the USFL. Like, whichever one sounded better to you, like, that's how you should, like, look at these leagues. And I think one league takes care of their people, takes care of their players, takes care of logistics, takes care of their cosmetics, takes care of marketing, takes care of all the good business stuff as well. And I think, you know, in, in, in due time, we'll be able to tell that. But wrapping up this episode, I will say shout out to the XFL, shout out to Luis Perez, shout out to some of the USFL guys, Sal Canella, who had a touchdown catch this uh, championship game, um, Donald Payne, Reggie Northrup, uh, shout out to all those guys that came from the USFL to the XFL, I, lo- I love seeing them still continue their dream, and shout out to the XFL for being able to complete this season, get a championship under the belt, um, 
and hopefully they'll get some of their uh, their issues and stuff fixed for season two. And you know maybe these leagues don't even need to worry about competing, and if they do, you know maybe both will thrive and survive, and that's what I hope will happen. But you never know in this uh, kind of critical and cutthroat business world that we live in. So just something to keep in mind. And if you guys really liked this episode about the XFL, you guys should definitely check out the USFL content that we drop on this podcast. We have a lot of roster updates, a lot of news and recent event updates on the USFL. And we do game recaps, power rankings every week. So if you're into that, check those episodes out. Um, If you are more into the XFL, season two, I'll cover it a lot more. It's just covering one league is already a lot, and then I'm, you know, we're we're covering the USL championships with the Rowdies, who also just won five nil. I mean five one, excuse me, this past evening as well. And we're definitely going to be doing a match recap tomorrow, or at the very latest by Monday. So just keep your eyes out for those episodes, as well as more USFL content, and obviously some more uh, movie reviews. And we're hopeful to get Anthony uh, Barr back on. Shout out to Anthony. Thanks for uh, coming on that. Uh, ballad that we were able to do for you and uh, maybe we'll get him back on here shortly and we also have a couple more guests that are going to be coming on next week so just something for you guys to keep your uh, your ears out for and uh, make sure you're following the show on whatever platform you're listening to this uh, download the episode you're listening to now and it really supports us and it shows that you're listening and that you care and that's what inspires us to want to keep creating and putting out more and, and better content if you will so again we really appreciate that Uh, But again, thank you guys so much for tuning into the XFL Season 1 analysis episode. And if you want more of this stuff, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at Tea Time Reports. Thanks, guys. Have a great night or day, wherever you are. Take care.